Hear the word of God from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This comes from the New Revised Standard Version. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. I'm so grateful to be with you today on this uh, very steamy July day. I, I recognize no one's sitting in the front row I was outside for a long time, and that was a wise choice. So, uh, before we start, um, No Longer Strangers, that's the name of our worship series over these uh, weeks to come, and we're going to be walking through the book of Ephesians. And I challenge you, I encourage you to pick up the bookmark, scripture bookmark, it's out there, or you can go online under Grow and Daily Scriptures and read the scripture each day. As we get started today, my, messel, my message is entitled Chosen, and uh, let's pray together. God, I give thanks for who you are. Take our minds and open them up. Take our hearts and set them on fire so we can live out the love for which you're known. In Christ's name, amen. So this week I posted on uh, Facebook for people to share a time when they felt the pain of not being chosen, when they felt the pain of not being chosen. And some responded to the post directly right on there, but I got a ton of emails and direct messages. And it seems as though that not being chosen is somewhat of a universal kind of experience, at least to those who responded and I just want to share a few of those with you. The first was, always, always, always picked last for everything as a kid. These days, my therapist tells me, I don't think I'm good enough. I wonder where that came from. Next one, similar theme. Almost every elementary gym class, I was always the last one picked we had to when we had to choose teams. It was so humiliating to be standing there 
and watching the rest of the class look back at me. Kids, kids that are here, do they pick teams like that anymore? Do, good, good job, good job, public schools, that's good. Um, then another email, again, back in high school, it says, in high school, I thought I had a great shot at a part in a musical play. When they posted the parts up, I was the curtain puller, <laughs> dot, 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 mortified. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So I suspect that each of you has at least one not chosen story. Just one, maybe, maybe just one. Uh, but that story could be kind of etched into your being. And if so, you might some, carry with you some of the rejection that comes with it. For many people that I know, just under the surface of this self-confidence veneer is questions about how worthy I am or thoughts and doubts that plague them, their worth. They question it. Their value. They question it. Their usefulness. They question it. And those kind of experiences cut, no doubt. But there's another way which I think can even go a little bit deeper and cut a little bit more. And I want to share one with you. There are ways when we feel unchosen that deeply affect our relationship with God. So here's one. There was a little boy, and the boy was four, maybe four or five months shy of four years old. And even now for this guy, the memory is burned into him, so much so that it, he could recall it just as though it was yesterday. The boy's mother stood beside the door like a stone statue with fire in her eyes. A few steps away was the boy's father looking downtrodden and solemn and at his, at his feet there were three suitcases. Now, that household was filled with a lot of chaos a lot of the time and bewilderment, but this day the boy intuitively sensed that something was different. And so the father bent down to get face-to-face with that little boy with tears streaming down his eyes, and he said, Son, I am leaving. The boy protested with tears and hugs, but to no avail. He watched as his dad slowly walked out that door with his mom standing there with a bit of sadness and anger. When that door shut, the loud reverberation of that noise would kind of be in his soul for a very, very long time. It would make an indelible mark because the boy's father didn't just leave then. He really marched out of his life. This kid walked around with a cloud of alienation around him, subconsciously looking for and finding evidence that supported what he really actually heard that day, which was, 
I don't choose you. When a parent rejects or when the church rejects, when somebody is told that God doesn't choose them for whatever reason, deep wounds are created. They form people who walk around with holes in their souls in the shape of their rejecter, of whomever that is, whether it was mom, dad, or their church, or anyone. And often, they search in the wrong places to fill that hole. And worse yet, the rejections shape their image of God. Most of the time, very subconsciously. But it moves them in the direction of believing that God is an indifferent God. Or God is an abandoning God that he created all or it created all and then just pulled away. Indifferent. Or worse, angry. And so throughout their lives, when people experience these rejections, they fight the evidence that they have that they're unworthy, broken, or their sins are too great for anyone to choose them. So whether you have experienced a deep rejection like I describe, I hope many of you haven't, or micro-rejections all along the way, whether you've been walking around with a God-sized hole in your soul and your heart, or you have long healed from your unchosen story, the scripture today has a message for you and for us. Paul's writing this letter to the churches in Asia Minor, which would be Turkey from prison. Some scholars believe it wasn't just to the Ephesians, it was to a collective group of churches. And it differs from some of the other letters that we read and deal with because it doesn't actually deal with any problems going on in the church. Isn't that nice? We'd like to have some of that. But it's rich with devotion and praise and high theology and the verses are super thick with long sentences that are hard to unravel and decipher. Don't lie, you are glazing over when she read that. Because it's hard to, it's hard to follow. It's a lot. Actually, in the Greek, it's one big, long, run-on sentence. It doesn't stop. So, I, I want you to hear just verses 4 and 5 again. And uh, if you throw that up there for me. It says, For he, being God, chose us in him, being Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. He destined us for adoption as children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, Paul's Majestic in grand vision in assertion is this, that in God's infinite knowing and in his love and his grace, God chose you before the formation of the world, before the formation of the cosmos were formed. Try, if you can, to take that in for just a moment. God chose you before it all began. And if you remember nothing else of all the words that I say, my hope is that you'll remember this. You are not a stranger to God. There is one who has chosen you, who is choosing you, and will choose you forevermore. I believe it.
So if you want to heal, believe in your chosenness. Now I can just hear probably myself every once in a while saying, yeah, right. I have a hard time believing that. That sounds really, really great, but I don't know if I can believe that. And so if that's you, a little bit of skeptic in you, I want you this week to believe that I believe. That would be enough to make a start. That would be a mustard seed, just enough to allow God in. When we suspend cynicism and doubt, we open ourselves to experiencing that we are actually sons and daughters of God. And that willingness, that willingness, even if it's little, has the power to deconstruct those old tapes we play in our head about ourselves. And it has the power to begin filling that hole with something new and beautiful. It will change, I'm not good enough, to I am enough. It can change, I'm not wanted, to I have always been wanted and am wanted right now. It can change, I'll never shake this feeling of loneliness and rejection to I have found companionship and I am accepted. And last but not least, it will pivot I don't have any purpose. I don't know what my purpose is to I have been made for a purpose. You are enough. You are wanted and you are chosen and you are accepted. And you, you, you have a purpose. All because of this Jesus Christ. That means you are chosen not because you're good. Not because you're good. But because God is good. You are chosen because of God's goodness. And you have God's goodness in you. To believe that in our heads is a good thing. To experience it in our hearts is totally different, isn't it? You know, it can be revealed no matter where we are in the spiritual journey. I was reading about this. I was trying to figure out how to talk about this high devotion, not being uh, a stranger to God. And I went back to our spiritual father, John Wesley. And I thought about him. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, whether you've been brand new to the church or whether you've been around a really, really long time, there's still some heart work to do. John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, believed that God had chosen him. He knew it in his head. He was theologically trained. He was educated. He was an Anglican priest. He knew the stories way better than probably any of us about the Bible and Jesus. And he gave his whole life to serving the church, went on missions trips across the pond when it was not safe to do so. But he walked around with a cloud of alienation. In his head. He walked around with a hole in his soul and played some of those tapes that we went over before. He knew about God, but God was a stranger to him. And after one of the biggest, most monumental failures of his whole life, he went back with his tail between his legs 
and was questioning everything. But he didn't disconnect. And on one evening, he was traveling to a, a, very reluctantly it says, he was traveling to a group meeting where Martin Luther's preface to the Romans was being read. And in a moment, something happened for him. Something pivoted. Something was done to him. And this is what he wrote. While the man was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust Christ, Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. What Wesley experienced there was what Paul wrote in verses 7 and 8 of our scripture when he said, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. Wesley discovered this chosenness in his heart and that there was nothing that he ever did or that he would ever do, good or bad, that could make God love him more. There's nothing, there's nothing, let me say it one more, there's nothing that any of us can do to make God love us more. Little kids, you're going you're gonna to remember someday, I hope, that no matter what you do, God loves you. No matter what you do, no matter the mistakes we make, no matter the good things we do, because of Christ. Believing that God chooses us and coming to faith in Christ binds up the wounds and rejections of the past, but that's not all. That's not all. That's the paradox of being a, a Christ follower. It's those very holes. It's those very rejections. It's those very brokenness that God will actually use in your purpose. That God can actually use for the redemption of the world through you, in you. Not in your strength, but if you look in the areas of your brokenness, you just might find God's purpose. That little boy that I told you about grew up. And he grew up and he was able to shed the preconceived notions about God and life in his past. He came to faith in Christ and even though he's not named here, he actually serves this congregation. He allowed God to heal it up, to bind it up, and send him out. He discovered, like Wesley, that he was chosen by God and that in Christ, he could know that God and his chosenness, chosenness and what it's for. Your chosenness is for a purpose. It's not to just experience that. It's not to just heal. It's not to just experience the great feelings of that God loving us. It's to go out. It's to make God's love real. It's to tell people who don't feel that, who feel an alienation, 
that you can point them to Jesus the Christ. That's what Wesley did. That's what that guy did. And that's what we get to do together. And I pray that you know you are no longer a stranger to God. And God doesn't have to be a stranger to you. Let's pray together. God, we give thanks for your word, which is oftentimes full and thick and hard to understand. But what is not hard to understand is that you love us, that you've chosen us, and that chosenness is for a purpose, to make God's love real. Show us the ways we can do that. Show us the ways to do that at home, at work, and in the community, and at church. And we ask all these things in your name, the Christ. Amen.